where did I leave off now? Where was I? Oh yeah. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Even as I write those words, Lord, the power in them, those three words, he has risen. Lord, I've been writing for so long. I can't even remember when I started writing this scroll and finally to reach those words, he has risen. So unbelievable and yet it's the foundation of why so many believe. All the way from Jerusalem to right here in Rome. It's amazing that in this short amount of time so many people have come to believe because he has risen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Oh, Peter, my friend. Oh, how I miss Peter. How I miss you. It's hard to believe that you went before me and you are now with him and one day I'll see you again. You were so bold in life. Even in your death, you were bold. I wish I could have seen the face of that centurion when you told him that, uh, <laughs> that you weren't worthy to be crucified the same way as Jesus and If he was going to crucify you, he was going to have to do it with you upside down. (laughs) He probably had to check with four different levels of authority before he he was able to do that. (laughs) Oh, Peter, even in your death, you showed such a love for our Lord. All these stories that I've written down are really, really only because of what you have told me. I hope that I have preserved them well and I hope that I've remembered everything that you've said. Let me keep writing. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Lord, is, is that it? Is, is that where you want me to end? Because they were afraid? There's so much more to the story. I, I can't end on afraid. What would Peter say? Peter's so bold. I know what Peter would say. Peter would say, John Mark? 
You can't end that with afraid. You got to be bold. <laughs> Say, John Mark, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. Did I ever tell you the time? When I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that story. I liked it when Peter fell in the water. <laughs> I like that story. Jesus saved him because they were afraid. But they were afraid. Who wouldn't be afraid in that moment? And who wouldn't be afraid confronted with something that had never happened before in the history of the world? Who wouldn't be afraid when they, I mean, Moses at the burning bush was afraid. Peter, James, and John on the mountain with Jesus were afraid. Of course they were afraid. People today in Rome are afraid. It's true. <laughs> but what's amazing is, I guess this isn't the end. It was really just the beginning. They didn't stay afraid. And they didn't stay quiet. They said nothing to anyone. Well, that didn't, that didn't last very long. <laughs> they told the disciples, just like the angels said, and, and they told everyone, and they told everyone, and here I am in Rome, and people in Rome actually know about Jesus. Seems like someday everyone will know about him. Well, if that's where you want me to end, that's where I end, Lord. The rest of the story, perhaps, is for someone else to write. Well, time to go out and get some fresh air. Go out into the night. There shouldn't be too many people out tonight, and hopefully none of Nero's men are around. But just in case, I'm taking this scroll with me. Ugh. Never know when another fire is going to break out, when Nero himself will come looking. <laughs> they don't make scrolls like they used to. Oh! <laughs> what, what are you... What are you... What are you doing? Where did, where did all you people come from? Are, are you with Nero's men? Are you, are you guards? You don't, you don't seem to be guards. I don't see any weapons with you that I can see. You don't seem to be dressed like soldiers. What are you doing with such a crowd out tonight? Are, are, you, fo are you followers of him? Are, are you followers of the way of Jesus. Well, then what are you doing out here? Don't you know what could happen to us? Are you crazy? Nero is out looking to kill all of the Christians. You can't be gathering in a crowd like this. Get out of here. You're going to get us all killed. What are you doing here? Okay, wait a second. Before you disperse, I know why you're here. But I don't, I know why you're here, but I can't help you. I know you're here to hear stories about Jesus. I know it's hard when we can only hear little bits and pieces about him from, from other people. I, I wish there was a way where, 
where we could all have all of the, all of the things that Jesus said. I, I, in fact, I was, just, I was just writing down in my little way in this, in this scroll the words of some of the things I, I know about Jesus. I, I wish I could give a copy to all of you, but I've, I've just got this one. I, I know you want to hear about Jesus, but I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm not the speaking guy. I, I mean... T- I'm usually the guy that helps the guy that helps the guy who's doing the speaking. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, if, if Peter were here, Peter, oh, he would, now he's the guy, he would tell you some stories. Peter's a preacher. He, Peter preached a sermon once and 3,000 people started following Jesus. <laughs> Peter would tell you. He'd tell you about how he walked on water and all the things he did with Jesus. Yeah. Or if, if the, my friend Paul. If Paul was here. Oh, Paul. <laughs> now, he, the, he's a preacher. You want to you hear some things about Jesus? Paul would, Paul would, what would Paul, Paul say? Well, I know what Paul, Paul would tell you about when he was on the road to Damascus. And he, he, was, he, was, he was persecuting Christians and he was riding on a horse and God knocked him off his horse. I kind of like that part of the story. But he, he knocked him off his horse and there's this bright light. God like blinded him and said, Jesus, who you persecute? I am Jesus, who you're persecuting? And Paul, that guy could preach. He could tell some stories. I mean, those guys, you could, you could sit all day and listen to them, but I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not them. I mean, you, you, I, don't, I don't have much for you. I'm just John Mark. John Mark from Jerusalem. My mother Mary lives in Jerusalem. I don't have a great story like them. I, uh, I came to follow Jesus kind of early in life when I was living at my mom's house in Jerusalem and she would have these uh, <laughs> prayer meetings like every single night. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty amazing, but, uh, you know, every single night. At one prayer meeting, I do remember, uh, it was one night we were praying. Peter was in prison and, and we were praying that he would get released I, I, I guess none of us really believed he would because while we were praying, there was a knock at the door and Rhoda, um, my, my mom's uh, housekeeper, Rhoda, would, would, would go to the door and she answered the door and this guy says he's Peter and she slams the door in his face. She runs back to tell us Peter's at the door and we people full of faith say, oh, Rhoda, it's probably Peter's ghost and we get back to praying and it actually was Peter at the door that night. That was a, that was a memorable prayer meeting. I didn't mind that one. <laughs> but I don't have a lot of stories like that. I'm just John Mark from Jerusalem. Even how I came to be in Rome isn't much of a story. It's actually a little bit embarrassing, actually. Um, the first time I was asked to leave <laughs> Jerusalem, it was my... Uh, my I guess it was my cousin Barney's idea. He, uh, yeah, he's a Barnabas, and he is such a great encourager. He came to me, and, and, uh, and he said, John Mark, 
Paul and I are going on a trip to Antioch, and, and I think you should come with us. And, and you should come and, and help us on our journey. And I was, you know, Antioch, that sounds cool. I, you know, get out of Jerusalem for a while, and sure. And he told Paul, and Paul was okay with it. And, and so we went up to Antioch, and it was great. We were there, and we were in more prayer meetings. And, and then one night, we're in a prayer meeting, and, and some of the guys get up and say, that we think the Holy Spirit is telling us to set apart Barnabas and Paul and send them out to tell people about Jesus. And I'm like, ah, that's great. Yeah, I go Barnabas and Paul. And then they come to me and want me to go with them. Well, they were going to Cyprus and I've got family in Cyprus and I haven't been there in a while. And I said, sure, I'll, I'll go to Cyprus with you. So we sailed and we went to the island of Cyprus and we told people about Jesus. Well, we, Paul, told people about Jesus and I kind of helped him. And it was amazing. Every place we went, people would come and some would reject him, but then there'd always be some that would accept him. And we traveled all around the island. We eventually sailed to, to the side of Perga and, and we had some great times there too. And then Paul and Barnabas said they were going to Asia. And you know, I went to Antioch and I went to Cyprus and Perga, but... I didn't go to Asia with him. It, Paul was pretty upset, actually. I, in fact, he was really upset. He thought I should have gone. I started the journey with him, and he expected me to finish it, and he made it known in no uncertain terms that he was unhappy that I was leaving. But I went back to Jerusalem, and they went on to Asia and had these great successes. In fact, when they came back to Jerusalem, they told these great stories. Man, Paul barely escaping death and, and all these great churches and Christians, followers of Jesus all over the world. And I thought, oh, I wish I was with them. And I thought I'd like to, I'd like to go with them when they go again. It's funny. <laughs> Cousin Barney had the same idea. He said, John, Mark, we're going on another journey and you should come with us. And I was like, I was thinking the same thing. I definitely want to go. I want to help you guys. I want to be there. And so we went to Paul and, and we're like, we're, you know, John's going to come. And Paul said, uh-uh. Paul was still upset. He wasn't having any of it. He said, I abandoned them in Cyprus. And that if I was going... You know, Paul wasn't going to have any, any part of it. And so I, I, I was fine with it. I'd step away. You know, Paul and Barnabas, is their, their thing. But Barney, you know, he's such an encourager. He was, he was there with me and he was said, no, John Mark, I feel God's telling me you're supposed to come with us. I said, I don't know. Paul's pretty upset. I feel bad, but they, they actually ended up splitting. Paul and Silas went one direction and Barnabas and I went back to Cyprus again to encourage all the churches there. I was kind of glad Paul wasn't coming with us. But then Paul was the preacher guy. I wasn't sure what Barnabas and I were going to do. But we went and I didn't know what we'd find. My guess was we'd find that there weren't too many followers of Jesus anymore. But that's not, that's not what we found at all. It turns out that even without Paul or Barnabas or Peter there, these people were following Jesus as strong as ever. It's like God's presence himself was there with them no matter where 
we went. And it was so exciting to see. And we traveled all around Cyprus and encouraged those churches. And it was a great, great time. And uh, it's a wonderful time. But the, I was telling you how I got to Rome. Well, well the, the, this is what happened. Paul did eventually uh, come around to forgive me. Uh, he, he got word to Tim. And then uh, Timothy came and told me. He said he, he got a, a word from Paul and he said, Paul has asked that you would come to Rome to help him because he said you are useful to him. I'll never forget that word, useful. Last time I saw Paul, it was about abandonment and not following through, but he said, uh, he said Mark is useful to me. And so I wanted to go. And so I, I set out to Rome and I got there and I was able to help Paul and Peter while they were there. And Peter kept, oh, he was, he kept telling me all these, Peter likes to talk. And he would tell me all these stories about Jesus and I would help them. They were under house arrest and I would bring people in and they'd tell people about Jesus. Paul, Paul would even preach to the guards about Jesus. He'd tell anybody and everybody about them and I would help them get their letters out and they'd send letters to churches all over the continent, all over the place they'd send these letters. But there was something that was bothering me. Here we are in Rome and we're sending all these letters everywhere else. But what about, what about you? What, what about the Romans? I mean, especially after what just happened in the last few years. I mean, that fire, I know we're all still recovering. And I don't know when we're going to be able to rebuild, but that fire wiping out so much of the city, and I know it, it affected you and wiping out the ones that you love, and that was bad enough. But then Nero, Nero trying to, to pin the fire on followers of Jesus... I mean, I guess it was somewhat inevitable when someone calls themselves a god like Nero does to, to be hostile to a people who follow another god. And Nero, but I never thought it would come to the point that it has lately. You know what I mean. Some of you have had friends, loved ones, captured, mock trials, burned at the stake just because they follow Jesus. Burned in Nero's garden while his friends are laughing and joking at parties. You know what it's like. Friends and relatives torn limb from limb by wild animals for sport. And this is where we live. And, and I... I got thinking about that and I thought, who's going to write something to the Romans? Who's going who's to encourage them in the midst of their difficulty? I, mean, I know Paul wrote, wrote, wrote a letter to, to the Romans, but, but, I, but I thought, this is a different time. This is a time where you need something to sustain you through the difficulty. But I don't have stories like Peter or Paul. And I didn't plant churches like them, so I couldn't write letters to you. 
but I thought maybe there's one thing I can do. I don't think it's ever been done before, but, but I thought maybe there's one thing I can do. There's one thing I do have. I don't have my story, but I have Jesus' story. I have all the stories that Peter told me over the years. And I thought, what could be more encouraging than if I would sit down and write about the birth, the life, the death, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus. I don't think anyone's ever done it before. I don't know if anyone will ever read it. But I thought, uh, I thought maybe that was the best thing I could do. Because what could be more encouraging to someone who's going through a difficult time what could be more encouraging to someone who's up against challenges that seem insurmountable? What could be more encouraging to someone who's stuck in a, a place where everything seems out of their control than to understand and see that Jesus himself voluntarily went through such difficulty? That Jesus was tempted and tried in the desert. That Jesus was tempted and tried by the devil. That Jesus was spit on. That Jesus was slapped, that Jesus was hit, that Jesus was crucified. I remembered some of the words that Peter told me that were so appropriate. The, the fact that he, Jesus said once that all Christians will be salted with fire. And I thought maybe he was talking about Christians in Rome. Or the time that Jesus said, you're going to be called before judges and magistrates. And, and how many of us have been? And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak in that moment. What could be more encouraging? And finally, I just, just a few minutes ago, I was just getting to the end of the scroll that, that I believe God had me write. And I got to that part where Jesus rose from the dead. And I wrote those three words. He is risen. And then it hit me, what is more powerful than that? I know, my friends, that the days are evil. I know that you are facing trials. I know that you look and you wonder why Jesus hasn't come back yet. I know you wonder why bad things are happening and evil things are happening. Even people are dying. I can't answer all those questions, but here's what I know. I know he is risen. I know that he has conquered the greatest enemy that you and I will ever face. And that I know that, 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 that if he is risen, it means we don't even have to fear death. <laughs> Paul, Paul would say it all the time. He'd say, John Mark, <laughs> If the tomb isn't empty, then we're wasting our time. <laughs> hey, one, one time I remember he put it, he said, John Mark, it's like Jesus said, death, where is thy victory? Grave, where is thy sting? That's what the empty tomb means. I don't know exactly what you're facing. I don't know the trials or the struggles that you have in your life. But I know this, I know that the fact that he is risen 
means that you can always have hope. Means that you never have to give up, even in the face of losing your life. That he is risen means that he has power over every one of the enemies that you will ever face. I don't have a great story. John Marks is pretty unremarkable. I doubt if anyone ever reads this. But he has a great story. And if you remember anything else from tonight, I hope that you'd remember that he is risen. All right. Now I think we're pushing our luck. Get out of here before the guards come. Whenever you and I have to make an important decision, whenever there's a choice in front of us, there's one question that we usually ask ourselves. Whenever there's a choice to be made, a decision that needs to be made, there's a question that even more and more in our culture today, it's the question we use to determine what we are going to do. Past generations didn't use this question as much, but today, there's one question that we ask ourselves when we have to make decisions. And we use this question often to determine what we are going to do. And that question that we ask ourselves today more than ever before, when there's a choice, when there's a decision, is how does it make me feel? In fact, last night, Lori and I, uh, my wife and I, we were sitting at home. And at one point, we turned to each other and I said, what do you feel like for dinner? And she said, I don't know. What do you feel like for dinner? And I said, I don't know. What do you feel like for dinner? And she said, I don't know, what do you feel like for dinner? This is something we do maybe three times a week at our house. Maybe you do it too. But what do you feel like? What do you feel? What do you feel? That's the, the way we determine things. More and more in our culture today, how do you feel about it? Should I move? Well, how do you feel? Should I change jobs? How do you feel? That's the question that we use to determine things. And we take that same question and we bring it to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to choosing to follow Jesus or not choosing to follow Jesus. We hear this story and then we ask ourselves, well, how does it make me feel? And maybe you've seen other people and they say, listen, I chose to follow Jesus and it makes me feel great. And you've said to yourself, well, I tried it once and it didn't make me feel as good as it made them feel, so maybe it's not for me. Or maybe you heard someone say, listen, I had a void in my life and I followed Jesus and Jesus, he filled that void and made me feel great. And you said to yourself, well, I don't really feel that void. In fact, life is pretty good for me. There's no void there to fill. So I just don't feel like it's for me. Maybe you heard someone say, listen, if you're going to follow Jesus, it means that you have to say that you're a sinner, that you've missed the mark and that you haven't done things that are right. And you said, listen, that doesn't make me feel good at all to say that. And so why would I do something that doesn't make me feel good? Well, let me suggest to you this morning, let me say that I believe that there is a more important question when it comes to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we have to ask ourselves. Not just how does it make us feel, but if we're truly considering whether or not we're going to follow him, the question that we need to ask ourselves about Jesus' death and resurrection 
is, is it true? Our feelings are tricky things. They can lead us all over the place and they can change multiple times a day. But the truth doesn't change. And I'd invite you to ask that question this morning. Is it true that Jesus died? And is it true that he rose from the dead? Because if it's not true, what we are doing here this morning is a giant waste of time. But if it is true then that Jesus Christ died and he rose again, then Jesus Christ deserves everything that we have. He deserves your entire life. He deserves your entire devotion. If it's true. And just think with me. If this didn't happen, if this didn't happen, the Bible says that Jesus appeared to hundreds of people. If it didn't happen, if he didn't raise from the dead and appear to hundreds of people, the Romans could have squashed this movement very quickly. If it didn't really happen, the Romans with all their guards and troops and they hated this movement, they hated this thing that was happening. There were tons of persecution. If it didn't really happen, why on earth would these hundreds of people who say they saw Jesus with their own eyes continue to go in the face of persecution, in the face of losing their families, in the face of losing their lives, why would they continue to move forward if it wasn't true? The Romans would have been able to roll away the stone and say, listen, here he is. Listen, here's what happened. Our guards were stationed at the tomb and a bunch of people came and overtook our guards and stole the body. But they weren't able to say those things. They weren't able to squash the movement because people had seen Jesus with their own eyes and knew that it was true. And why, if it wasn't true, would these same people be willing to die for Jesus Christ? Why, if it wasn't true, would Peter allow himself to be crucified? Why, if it wasn't true, would these people to allow themselves to die for this belief? Wouldn't they at the very end say, no, 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 no. When the spear was to their chest or the nail was to their wrist, wouldn't they say, all right, all right, the gig's up. I, I renounce, I renounce, I renounce. But they couldn't because it was true. And I invite you just to bow your head with me this morning and, and we'll just close in a word of prayer. And as we do, maybe you're here this morning and for the very first time, you want to acknowledge that this whole thing is true. That Jesus Christ came and died for your sins and for my sins and that he rose again from the dead. And because of that is true, he deserves your life. He deserves your devotion. He deserves your worship. If that's you this morning, I just invite you in a couple moments just to pray with me and acknowledge that fact to the Lord. In fact, if that's you this morning and you want to begin that relationship, you want to say for the very first time, Lord, I believe it's true. You can pray with me. Dear Lord, I thank you for the truth that Jesus came and he died and he rose for me. God, I know that I am a sinner, that I have not done everything that you've asked me to do, that I have not done the things that I know to be right. But thank you for the truth that through the cross and Jesus' death, I am forgiven. And because of his resurrection, I am promised an eternity with you. Lord, we worship you this morning. And all of us are so grateful for the gift of your son 
for the truth that even while we were still sinners, he came to die on the cross for our sins, that we might be forgiven, that we might have new life, that we might be restored, and that we might be redeemed. And Lord, because it's true, this morning we say to you, we want to give you everything that we have and all that we are to follow you and to love you and to worship you because of all you've done for us. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and sing one last song with us as we close this morning?